Hey there, and welcome back to another weekly episode of my show. I'm Father Roderick, and it is a gorgeous day. The sun was shining this morning, which is kind of rare. <laughs> but uh, it's also the day before the grand finale of the Book of Boba Fett, something as a Star Wars fan I'm looking very much forward to. But because yeah, I'm recording this before, for the season's finale of The Book of Boba Fett. Actually, I'm not even sure if there's going to be a second season. I kind of hope so, because there's so much in this series, and the story is so good, and I love these characters, of mostly of Fennec and, and Boba Fett, but also all these secondary characters on Tatooine. I love them so much that I wouldn't mind a second season. But, well, if this is going to be the last story they tell about Boba Fett and Fennec, then I hope it's going to be mind-blowing, that finale. I just don't see how they can how they can cram in everything that they set up for in, in, in this very, very short series. It's just seven episodes. But they've been teasing so much that I wonder how they are going to do this. Unless the finale is like two hours long. But thankfully for you, that is still in my future. It may already be in your past. That's the cool thing about uh, uh, delayed listening. Uh, so I can actually still talk about other stuff than just Star Wars. Uh, starting with, of course, the community of patrons that makes it possible for me to do these shows and to keep them advertisement-free. Um, I want to welcome a few new members to the community. Marika, Kelly, and Kensington. I'm so glad that you are joining the community. And I also want to thank Bob and Rose, Mary, and Paul for upping their monthly donation. Uh, quite a few people have uh, gone to the next tier because I... Last week, I launched my first international documentary about the secret of Iona, and the uh, $10 or, or higher uh, monthly contributors get early access to that documentary. The others, unfortunately, will have to wait a little bit longer, but um, since they invest in the work that I do, I want to give something back by showing them the result of all this hard labor. So if you want to join them and get access to my Discord server and to a whole bunch of podcasts that you get in a special personalized exclusive feed, then just go to patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So, the Winter Olympics. I don't know if you're a fan. Uh, <laughs> I'm certainly actually not a fan, but I feel I need to talk about it because it's the biggest thing in, this, in the world of sports happening right now in China, this wonderful country with uh, wonderful people and also, well, not so wonderful things happening there. And the weird thing about the Winter Olympics is that a, a lot of the... Uh, skiing, for instance, is taking place in an area where normally there isn't any snow. And and I keep being just stunned to see all, all these things happening. And there's real snow, but it's actually artificially produced snow. I mean, it's real water snow. It's not plastic or anything. But they, uh, I, I don't know how, how many millions they must have spent on covering these mountaintops with snow. Um, and and to make it good enough so you can actually do all that skiing, it's insane. Um, uh, for the for the Dutch, the Winter Olympics are always a huge thing, and here in my country, everybody's watching it and talking about it because, of course, we are a country of skaters, ice skaters, um, not for ice hockey or hockey as Canadians would say, but for. Uh, 
for just skating, um, usually f uh, f speed speed skating. I don't know how you say that. What's the difference? You've got speed skating and you've got figure skating. I'm not sure that we're any good in figure skating, but we're very, very good at speed skating. And I think we already have a whole bunch of medals now. And of course, that makes us... As a small country, very proud of our accomplishments, which is ridiculous because, of course, none of us is doing all the work. It's just a few sportsmen and women that are that are earning all those medals and have dedicated their life to, you know, these these huge events for them, and uh, the rest of us just get to uh, um, to be proud of someone else's accomplishment. That's how it works in sports, anyway. <laughs> If you like soccer, football, any other type of sports, you usually cheer um, and you're huge, hugely proud of your favorite team, uh, even though you yourself have done nothing more than sitting in front of the TV, eating nachos and drinking beer. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful, the world of sports? And it's, I think it's a, it's a great relief in a time where there is so much else that kind of depresses us, like the news coming from Ukraine. Um, it's still very, very tense over there. And we're, I'm still praying every day that uh, the situation will de-escalate and that people will find a diplomatic solution. Um, I really don't want the people of Ukraine to go through another war, especially uh, the, the families and the children and, you know, I, I just pray that they can build up their country instead of seeing it being torn down uh, because of all these international um, interferences and 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 uh, just all, all the all the the well usually it's greed that motivates wars so I, I really hope that peace can be maintained and of course we were still kind of worried about the Omicron variant and um, and how that is impacting our lives. Thankfully, it's, it's getting better. Um, the situation here is improving, not in terms of, of, of uh, 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 how do you call it, <laughs> people getting the virus, <laughs> infections, <laughs> but, uh, but it is apparently not leading to a lot of severe cases in the hospital, something that we were very worried about a few weeks ago. So hopefully that will allow us to open the country up a little bit more and maybe also with the advent of, uh, of springtime, things will return for the time being to normal. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to that because we've been sitting at home for so long. <laughs> we're just coming out of a lockdown and I am so longing to to go on a trip again to visit Rome or to go film my next documentary and and and, and just being able to go to other countries without having to worry about all the rules and regulations and man <laughs> please give us back our world <laughs> anyway I shouldn't complain because many people uh, are in a worse situation than I am but I think we all kind of enjoy setting our mind to other things and, and, and not having to talk day and night about COVID. Speaking of which, one of those worlds in which I like to escape is the world of movies and TV shows. <laughs> not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movie vacation. I'm going to give it to you. 
don't know if it's a coincidence, but since a lot of our television right now is coming from Beijing in, in China, there is also a lot of hype around a television series that is actually available for free on YouTube, which is also made in China and filmed, if I'm not mistaken, for a large part in Beijing. I visited that city once in my life. It was seven years ago, I think. Um, and I, I did a tra I, I traveled through uh, a part of China because, well, China is so immensely big. Um, and so I spent also a few days in the beginning of my trip and at the end of my trip in Beijing. But the television series that I wanted to recommend to you, because I absolutely think you should check it out, is called Reset. And I don't know what the title is in Chinese because... I barely speak any Chinese, but uh, it is uh, what is so cool about it is that it is a one of my favorite science fiction genres. It is time travel, or in this case, actually time loop, a time loop drama. It tells the story of this uh, teenage girl or student girl and boy, and they're sitting on a bus, and they've been asleep, and they wake up, and especially it's the whole story. This is in the first episode. The girl looks around and she's she's freaked out she's like why am i in this bus and apparently she knows something that none of us know and then she pretends that the boy is, who's sitting next to her is assaulting her and so she screams and she tries to make the bus stop and they get off the bus she she pulls out the boy who's really like well, what is happening i didn't do a thing and while the bus is driving away, all of a sudden they hear this huge explosion. And it turns out that there is this accident or a bomb, or we don't actually know exactly what happened, but the entire bus explodes and everybody in, in, in the uh, um, uh, direct, uh, direct neighborhood gets killed. And so they escape. And then uh, they are transferred to the hospital and then ultimately end up dying or... Anyway, they wake up again, and they're back in the bus. But this time, they both have memories. And so, and they still don't believe it. And then they die again, and die again, and die again. And they have to go through that loop. It's basically Groundhog Day in China with two kids. And it is a very, very, very well done show. And I can't believe that it's just there on YouTube. I was like, okay, how am I going to watch this? Because I don't have Chinese Netflix. But it, you can find it on, uh, I'll include a link um, in the show notes on, on my website. And also you can find it if you're watching this on YouTube in the show notes here on YouTube. I usually do like a chapter division um, and, and some quick links so you can find the stuff that I'm talking about. Um, but it's on, you can also go directly to the Yo-Yo English channel. <laughs> so Yo-Yo with a Y. Yo-Yo English channel. Just look for that and then you have to check out there are several uh, series on there. Um, I've only checked out this one, but the one that you want to look for is Reset. I've watched two episodes, only two episodes, so I have no idea if I'm not recommending you something that may totally, you know, disappoint you or or worse. <laughs> but so far, so good. This has been a massive hit, um, and it is spreading, interestingly enough, through TikTok. The, the, the only way that I was was made aware of the existence of this series was because I was browsing through TikTok and then you've got this one video that had hundreds of thousands of views and, and it was just this, I don't know, 
lady and she said, oh, you have to check out this series. And then she showed a little bit of the trailer and I was hooked. I was like, oh, I want to check that out. And, and boy, was it really interesting. So it's so cool to see that a series, and I think they have already had like a billion hits, like a billion views on YouTube. That's insane. It's the new creator uh, uh, economy. And I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix or one of the other big players is going to just buy this show because this is this has the potential to be the next Squid Games, you know? And uh, it, it is... The, the show itself, what I love about it is that you can tell that it is actually produced with very limited means. A lot of, there's not much in terms of special effects. It's all in the story, in the acting, and and it keeps you just engaged. You want to know, so what's going to happen in the next loop? And how are they going to figure out what's going on and, and maybe get out of that loop? It's very addictive in the same way as... Um, uh, Groundhog Day was addictive. You want to know if Bill Murray's character gets out or not and what he learns when he goes through all these loops and how far they will get in the loop as well. So um, highly recommended. It's, it's called Reset. And again, the link is in the show notes. <laughs> Catholics rock! the peculiar bunch we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about catholics but you were afraid to ask catholics can be a peculiar bunch no meat on friday no meat what do they eat light bulbs i want to talk briefly about something that pope francis said when he was a guest in italy's biggest talk show the other day i'm not kidding you man you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster video So Pope Francis was a guest. This is something that we've never seen before. Um, a, a guest in Italy's leading late-night talk show. So imagine Pope Francis being a guest on uh, the, the Late Show or something like that. Um, but this time it's in, in Italy. And uh, they had the Pope on for an hour. Now, he wasn't in the studio. He wasn't sitting on a couch and then having to undergo all the, the lame jokes and whatnot. Um, but he was filmed sitting in uh, his library. So that's also the place when during COVID they couldn't go outside on St. Peter's Square for the general audience. He would film the whole thing inside. Um, and that's where he's sitting. I have to really, gosh, I should volunteer at the Vatican and, and help them a little bit to set that up because, man, that looked so terrible. He's just sitting there in a chair in the middle of this huge empty room. The lighting is horrible. He's it, the, the camera is completely positioned completely wrong. I mean, seriously, a, a, a 14-year-old YouTuber has better light and, and, and a better camera than, than Pope Francis. And there's so many people in the Vatican that know how to do this. Why can't they just make this look right? It just baffles me. It's so simple. Add a few lights, add a little bit of color and background. It is so simple. And it would elevate the overall quality of the visual so much. But anyway, it's not about, of course, how the Pope looks. But it is about what he says. And what I really loved about the him being in this talk show is the informal tone. They, he did talk about serious things. But also 
was using humor. He talked about his friends, about how important it is to have a sense of humor, how that keeps him sane, um, about why he actually doesn't live in the uh, papal palace, but chose to live in the um, hotel St. Marta uh, in, in, on the other side of the Vatican. And, and he's very human, very, very relatable in what he says. Um, so one, one thing he said about friendship is, like, I'm, I'm not that much of a saint, you know? My predecessors were much more holy than I was. I need people around me. I just really need normal people that I can talk with, that I can eat with and sit with. They help me on a daily basis. I couldn't do it without them. And I, I think that is so cool to have a pope that says, hey, I'm not holy. I just need other people. <laughs> I'm not a saint or a superhero. Um, I think that is actually a very, maybe a very modern way of, of being a saint. It's, it's someone who is relatable and who tries, just like we are, to live a good life and to be good for others and to do whatever God has asked us to do. But at the same time, someone who is very aware of his or her own limitations. And so Pope Francis spoke at length about... Uh, 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 why it is so important to know that nothing depends on you alone, even if you are a pope. And uh, he, he was talking at one point about one of the biggest dangers for the church. Now, of course, you can think of a lot of things that are uh, threatening for, for the church, uh, like the secularism or maybe the abuse scandals or whatever. But... Pope Francis, I think, went to the core. He's like, well, I'm not talking about dangers from the outside. I'm talking about the biggest danger that comes from the inside. And that is what he calls this kind of the church that is secularizing itself. It's becoming uh, way too worldly. It's this worldly, um, This how did he call that? He had a, a term for that. Uh, the... the I'm trying to find the passage here. Um, because, of course, he talked for about an hour. Oh, it, the spiritual worldliness. I was like, what is that? Spiritual worldliness is basically a worldly church. So a church that doesn't rely on God, but thinks that we can just do our thing. We don't need God for our day-to-day -day management. And, in, and Pope Francis, of course, has been confronted with the results of that. The abuse crisis is one of the major effects of that attitude where you kind of put God out of the picture and you think you are your own God, you make your own decisions, but also all the financial scandals that we've seen over the past years where people inside the Vatican, even bishops and cardinals, were just breaking the law just to make money, to enrich themselves, to gain power and influence. And they would use that power and influence to also uh, apply that with nepotism for their friends and family. And that's something that has no place in the church and is so contrary to what Jesus teaches us to do. But for the Pope, this is a result of this worldly attitude where you think that God is not important for how you manage your life. And so you may still appear very saintly and spiritual and you may wear your nice cassock and do, every, you know, apparently from the outside follow all the rules, but on the inside it's complete, completely petrified and it is, uh, it's corrupt. 
And, and that is not different from what happened in Jesus' time, because that was his main criticism towards the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, on the outside, yeah, you do appear, everybody greets you and everybody lauds you. But you guys, you live as if God does not exist. And that it's rotten on the inside. And Jesus was very, very um, harsh with these people and, and really, I think, wanted them to convert and to change their ways. And I think with Pope Francis, when he talks about this problem, he gets just as fierce. You see, this, like, that's this twinkling in his eyes, like, this is important. Why don't you change? And he doesn't understand it because he himself knows how much his whole papacy and, and the responsibility that he bears, he can only do that thanks to God, thanks to God's grace. And there was a beautiful second topic that he talked about, which, which links to this attitude of knowing how vulnerable are you are yourself and how much you need God. And that is when he talked about prayer. The host of the show asked the Pope to give a definition of prayer, and which is a great question. It's not something that you would hear in every talk show. But the Pope answered... Praying is what a child does when he or she feels limited, helpless, and then calls daddy or mommy. This is our first cry of prayer, the Pope said. But if you don't believe that you have a daddy or mommy near you, you don't know how to cry out. You don't know how to ask. Praying, he continued, means looking at our limitations, our needs, our sins, and saying, daddy, look at me. Your gaze purifies me and gives me strength. And so he said, being comfortable with addressing God as father, to call God daddy, or maybe even mommy, why not? God has no gender, um, is a sign that one is doing well on the road of faith. And I think that's a beautiful definition of prayer because it is accessible to every one of us. We, we all have that need for help and we cry out help. And, and if we if we believe that God is there to answer that cry for help and that he is like a father or a mother who lifts us up and, and, and helps us along the way, a father and mother is not going to replace us, is not going to do everything for us, but they will help us to do the things that we need to do. They will help us to grow. And that is, I think, how Pope Francis sees prayer. It's, first of all, acknowledging how much you fail when you try to do it all by yourself. And at the same time, it's not getting stuck in that sense of guilt uh, or that scrupulous attitude but instead the the awareness of your sin and of your own failure should be a moment to reach out to god and to ask hey i, I clearly can't do it by myself can you can you be my strength that is the core of prayer and and i love how simple it is it doesn't mean you have to know how to say the right words or even you know sit or kneel or, or go to church you, you can do this at any time in your life but it's the attitude that matters and going to church in itself is not a bad thing on the contrary it should actually help you and and the community can help you to stay in that attitude provided of course that 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 church community consists of people that try to do the same and it starts to go wrong when, and it starts to scandalize people. And I know from a lot of you, actually, that you never go to church anymore because you've been hurt by the non-evangelical behavior of, of those that were supposed to show you the example. But instead, they were power-hungry or, or harsh or uh, made huge mistakes, hurt other people. Um, there, there is or being judgmental, all, all those counter witnesses 
to what faith is actually should be about. And and I think that the Pope he really tries to change the church by changing changing each and every one of us. Because change is not a matter of structure. You can change all the structures of the church, but if the people don't change, if the hearts don't change, then it's all futile. And so uh, what, what Pope Francis tries to do, and mostly by example, not by preaching, is to show what the right attitude is as a Christian. And, and that attitude in itself, I think, is relatable. And that's why I'm, I'm so uh, taken by, by this Pope, by his humility, and then the the host also asked him, but how do you do that? You're you're the Pope. You have so much to worry about. Your responsibilities are so I mean, who wants to be Pope? It's it's just how do you carry that burden? And then Pope Francis very simply said, You know what? Yeah, sure, I've got my responsibilities. But if you want to really find people that are carrying a burden, don't look at me. There are so many people in this wor- world that suffer so much more, uh, that have, he ha- and Pope Francis has heard so many stories of, of pain and suffering, the people that are in hospitals, the people that have to live with a handicap or, or that are alone. There is, says Pope Francis, so many people that have a much, much uh, uh, heavier burden to carry than he as a pope. I mean, that in itself, I, I think, is also... Um, it's a sign of humility to to even don't un- overestimate your importance. Don't overestimate. You don't show yourself oh, I'm, I'm this hero, and even though my responsibilities are so heavy, I still manage to keep humble. Isn't that cool? Uh, no, Pope Francis is like, we all do our job. This is my job, and God helps me with that. And thankfully, I have got friends around me because without them, I wouldn't be able to pull it off. Um, but he also relativ- relativizes his own his own. Uh, responsibilities and his own role and I, and I think that's a that's for me that's an example um and whenever i feel like complaining which eh, my my times happens from time to time i always have to remind myself that there are people that have so much more to worry about than you have so stop worrying don't don't look at everything that goes wrong but look at everything you have this this attitude of being grateful for everything that you've been given even though you don't deserve it at all uh, that's an, another thing that pope francis talked about he said you know someone who lives in 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 our rich countries in the western world we don't have more rights to what we have and 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 the you know the comfort comfortable life that we live we don't have more rights to that than someone who is born in a third world country and someone who is, is, is born in a poor family. They, as our brothers and sisters, have just as much right on uh, being heard, being helped, and benefiting from the fruits of the earth as we have. And so we should really do something about their fate instead of looking away. That is actually a sin, to, to look away from people that, that you could help. And and that that's always very confronting when I hear that because I'm, I I immediately think what what else can I do can I do more to help other people, and of course, not everyone is able to go and and and, and work as a volunteer among the poor and, and but there's always something you can do, and just asking yourself well what can I do for this particular person what can I do today to make someone else's life better. That is maybe the, the, the key to, um, to, to living an accomplished life. Uh, what makes life good is it's not your, your success. It's not your career. 
It's not how big your YouTube channel can be, can grow uh, or how much money you can make. The success of your life, I think, is best measured in if how often have I made someone else's life successful? Have I benefited someone else? Those are the takeaways that I had from, uh, from that talk show with Pope Francis, and hopefully there's something in there that inspires you as well. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I do a lot of reading. A lot of it, actually, uh, not by, by reading uh, written books, but by listening to audiobooks. And I kind of divide my time between audiobooks and podcasts. Um, by the way, speaking of podcasts, uh, the Cinema Court room in the chat on YouTube is asking me to do a shout out for their movie podcast coming out on March the 18th. That's always very cool if you're starting a new podcast. Uh, as a fellow podcaster, I know how nervous you must be and uh, how much work it is to to launch a podcast. And I hope it's going to be successful. I'll definitely check it out. So again, the Cinema Courtroom, I suppose that we just have to Google for that and then we may be able to find, find out. But if I'm not listening to podcasts, I'm uh, listening to audiobooks. And what I like about audiobooks is sometimes the the narrator or the way that the book is narrated or sometimes even enacted with sound effects and everything uh, and multiple actors is, is adding to the experience of the book and helps you to, to, um, to experience the story on a, on a different level. Today I want to talk about two uh, books that I have really enjoyed. Um, and and uh, the first one is... Uh, or actually one book that I enjoyed and one book that I didn't enjoy at all. Let's start with the, the one that I didn't enjoy that much. It's uh, uh, the autobiography of Amy Schumer, who is someone that I vaguely heard about, uh, a comedian um, in, uh, from, from the United States. She got an Emmy and she wrote a book called The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. Um, Amy Schumer is mostly known for stand-up comedian work, although she's also been on uh, Saturday Night Live and stuff like that. Um, but that's kind of all I knew. And I had really enjoyed reading some other books about the comedy business in the United States. Like I'm still reading a book about um, uh, the, the Office, the making of The Office, the American version of The Office. I really enjoyed uh, some other uh, biography or autobiographies or biographies of, of, of comedians. So I was like, okay, this this must be fun, right? I don't know Amy Schumer very well, but let's just start reading. And yeah, no, no, absolutely not my type of humor um, and definitely not my, my type of book. Um, what really um, shocked me, and that's probably on purpose, uh, is just uh, Amy Schumer going into detail all the time about all her sexual adventures and all the different media. And it's not just like that night I slept with this guy. No, it's like in just terrible detail. She describes everything that happened. And, and it's also this kind of trivialization of sexuality, which really irked me. And in a way is, I mean, there's, it's there's nothing, nothing too shocking about it. For as a priest, I hear confessions. I I've heard a lot of things, you know. But I was still I was shocked that someone would confuse authenticity and 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 uh, vulnerability with 
exhibitionism because that's what it is. This is stuff you're. I don't think you should talk about. It's it's part of your private life, and and should be part of of each and everyone's private life. I as a reader, I was really not interested in hearing all those stories, and I thought it was uh, demeaning uh, for herself. And and I was reminded a little bit about. Uh, uh, of, uh, I was reminded of uh, of Saint Augustine before his conversion, you know, where he basically was a bon vivant. He just led this life of parties and and women and everything. I don't think they had drugs at the time, but if they had, they, he would probably have used drugs as well. <laughs> just this lifestyle that is nothing like the saint that he became later on. But later, when he converts, he. He remind he remembers his old life and he says, I was actually searching for something. And I didn't have any rest in my life until I found you, God. You were what I was looking for, but I was looking all the wrong places. This is the kind of the same feeling that I have when I read Amy Schumer's biography. Um, it's this ongoing quest. I mean, I'm not surprised that she actually hasn't been able to find a life partner. Because every relationship is so is described in such a reductive way, and and you really wonder if behind that you know going from one partner to another, this this kind of super high charge but also very superficial life, if it's not an expression of her maybe her inner unrest, you do do hear a little bit about her upbringing and experiences and coming from parents that, to a certain extent, were also very dysfunctional. But at the same time, it it just pains me to see that someone feels the need to write that all down. What's the purpose? That's when I finished the book. I was like, well, why did you write that? It's not very, it doesn't have any any message. It's not even exemplary. I can't imagine someone reading this book and saying, hey, I would love to live my life like that. Or, or, or vice versa, you read that book and it's like, oh my gosh, I really have to better my life because otherwise I'm going to end up like her. It's, the book doesn't do that either. It was just nonsensical. Yeah, definitely did not want me to, uh, uh, to check out her, her, her work. Um, yeah, crazy. And, and yet, it's been a bestseller. People buy it. Maybe because it's superficial like their lives may be a bit superficial i don't know i'm not the one to judge but for me this was a book that was kind of like an example of you live your life without purpose it's a life that is lost this this life doesn't contribute anything or or, or very very little if you look at all the potential these people have so much have such a huge audience they could do so much better than they actually do. So I don't understand why you would be proud of that life when there's nothing to be proud of, honestly. Anyway, I forced myself to read these books as well. And I, I unless a book is really, really, really terrible, I, I try to finish it because it also forces me to, to well, to look at other ways of life this is also it's an experience that in a certain way is also informative because it it shows what what can happen to people that don't find a purpose that are basically a bit lost um again i don't want to judge because if if there's someone who is lost and it's me you know you should always look at, at your own 
uh, faults and not point at other people's faults. But it, but it is another reminder. Life is short. Make the most of it. Don't waste it on, on booze and on, on, on fleeting encounters with people that you don't invest in. Um, try, to, try to do something that changes people or changes the world around you. Anyway, enough about that. The second book, I really enjoyed it. And it was a very, very, very different book. British, not American, um, written by Kit Wharton, and it's called Emergency Admissions, Mem- Memoirs of an Ambulance Driver. I love books filled with stories from people that work in the medical sect- sector, and it's maybe because every time I'm in, at the hospital, like last week, I had to go for a checkup to, to the hospital, and I see all these people working there, and I always wonder... I, you know, I see them as a professional, so they, they give me information, they reassure me, etc. But I always wonder, how, what, is your li- what does your life look like outside of this encounter that I have with you? And what motivates you? What, what keeps you going? Why have you chosen this life? And so this was a, a, another type of job within the medical, not really medical section, because these people are not... Uh, are not physicians, but they do have to know a lot about how to save people, but someone who, who's actually working on an ambulance. And what I loved about this book is, um, is its style. It's so English. Uh, so, of course, you get the mostly the most outrageous stories. of people. Sometimes he's called and, and then he walks in straight into... Um, at one point, he's telling this story about... Uh, a call for help and someone has gotten unwell and then he walks in and everybody is dressed so strangely and yet it's so very high up you know high brow and people have like very expensive jewelry and makeup and hair and at the same time everybody is like wearing these leather boots and everything and 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 there is kind of this torture device in the middle of the room and 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 he's like <laughs> this this guy is like well i we didn't have the slightest idea why these people were here and what I was watching until it dawned upon me. This may have been one of those SM type of things that I heard about. (laughs) And he's like, well, but anyway, whatever it was, I needed to help this person. (laughs) And then almost every story ends with like, and then at the end, of course, we had some time for a cup of tea and we talked it over. And (laughs) it's like, wow. I love this guy because it's just this so down to earth. And no matter what he encounters, it's all like, well, I, I really have no idea why people would do that to themselves. But but well, we were there to help. So that's what we did. And then we had a cup of tea. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Um, the only Maybe the only gripe that I had with the book is that it doesn't really have an ending. It just stops. It, it, it just, it, you're reading through all these stories. Every chapter is a new story. And then all of a sudden, that's the end of the book. I'm like, what? what? Oh, oh, okay. I'm almost sorry it's over. I would love to have accompanied this guy with on, on, on some other adventures or at least have some kind of a story arc with a conclusion or something like that. But it's not read, uh, the audiobook's not read by the author himself, but by a professional um I think voice actor or something like that, but it's it's very well read as well. It's got that same kind of like very British, uh, um, down to earth, almost dry wit, and the way the book is delivered 
adds to the enjoyment that I have of this book. So it's called Emergency Admissions, Memoirs of an Ambulance Driver. I'm happy to, to end this book review with a book that I can actually recommend. Welcome back, science friends. Uh, we need to talk about black holes. It's something that has always fascinated me. As a kid, I had this museum that I made in my own room. Um, I was fascinated by uh, space shuttles and astronomy and planets and especially space exploration. Uh, my brother was very much into constellations and telescopes and stuff. I was like, I want to go there. I want to build me a rocket and I'll fly there. You know, that's why I was such a fan of Star Trek. Way before I was a fan of Star Wars, I was already a Trekkie. As a, as a I think, an eight-year-old boy, um, when we, whenever we stayed with our grandparents in the south of the country, they had German television. And, and on German TV, on that big black and white TV, I remember it as if it was yesterday, we would be watching this, this German-dubbed version of Raumschiff Enterprise. Yeah, mit Captain Kirk <laughs> und Spock. Um, I don't know if they ever translated Bones, but, but definitely Raumschiff Enterprise was fantastic. And, and, and as a kid, I've always had that fascination. Well, maybe one day in the future, we will be able to travel to these planets for real instead of it just being science fiction. So um, one of the things that I did was, I think I was still in primary school or maybe just entered high school i wanted to 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 put up an exposition um, like in our local library they sometimes would have these expositions about certain topics and they would put all sorts of objects there and tell stories and and i love that because um it was always interesting to not just hear stories about stuff but also just be able to see some objects and so i had used little ping pong balls and 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 clay and everything to make uh, a miniature version of our solar system and of course i couldn't do the real distances but i tried to at least uh, and i used a book as a reference to make the planets in the same kind of uh, uh, dimensions uh, compared to one another. So I remember creating uh, a Saturn, which was also, the, the ping pong balls were the biggest, and I, I created with paper these rings around Saturn, and then uh, Jupiter with the red spot and everything, and then uh, tinier planets all the way. I remember that Mercury, for instance, was a tiny little dot of clay, and I hang it on uh, fish wire from the ceiling, and I knew that if I wanted to do a, a like a proportional sun, I c couldn't do it. So I just made like a, a cutout of yellow paper. I think that symbolized the sun, and then I put all sorts of photos. And well, back then we couldn't print any photos, so I made photocopies at the library. It was very expensive, so I saved up my my uh, my allowance to make photocopies at the library that was the only building in the whole town that had a, a photocopier and I would make photocopies from astronomy books that I found at the library and I would hang them up and write little informational notes on the site and uh, I worked for weeks on that and then I had the grand opening I invited all my friends to come look at my 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 astronomy exposition it was so much fun and so one thing, I remember that I had one part of the exposition was about black holes. And nobody knew what black holes looked like. I was just fascinated by the fact that like a tiny, you know, little 
piece of rock could have the density of an entire planet. That 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 it was so dense and and the gravitational force of a black hole was so strong that that even light couldn't escape it. It would just slurp up all the all the light. And then of course I was also a huge fan of 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 Disney's Black Hole movie, which was a movie that I'd never seen. I had only seen an exposition while we were visiting France or Paris, actually, on vacation. And in one of the, I think it was Paris Gare du Nord, so the northern uh, railway station, in one of the, the hallways of the station, there was an exposition. I think it was a promotional exposition organized by Disney back then uh, to promote the movie The Black Hole. And I still remember that they had the original model of the Nautilus, the, the big spaceship that you see in that movie. And they, I think they transported it th to Paris, and it was hanging from the ceiling. It had all the thousands of lights on the inside. And they had the, the original robots. There are two droids in there. They're super cute. This was after A New Hope uh, premiered, and I was already a Star Wars fan. But then there was this other science fiction franchise thingy, and, and having seen those, the, the big spaceship, it was so overwhelming. And, and I will never forget it. And then you had these drawers. But I never got to see the movie. We didn't have a VCR, so it took me years before I finally saw the movie. And it was much darker than I thought it would be. But I did have a book with photos, and it was in French. And we bought it in Paris, of course. And I would just look at all those photos from the movies, and it had some interviews with the actors. And I just imagined the story. And I thought it would be just something like like Star Wars, but, well, it's a much darker story. It's still one of my favorite cult movies, almost, and I wish that Disney would do, like, a, a, a remastering of, of that. It's such a brilliant movie because it's so dark. It's, like, uncharacteristically dark for, uh, for a Disney uh, a movie. Um, and the version that you can watch on Disney Plus, unfortunately, is just the old master, and it's not very good. It's very grainy. It's very the, the the print is dirty. I think they truly should do like a 4K version of that. I would immediately buy it. But anyway, so the black hole. I love that idea of a black hole being able almost to function as a portal to another dimension. Um, and uh, so. Whenever I read news about black holes, I'm, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that reminds me so much of, of, of when I was a kid. And I, I was fascinated by this whole concept of black holes. But of course, a black hole, you can't really see it, right? Until very recently. They've developed this new technology called microlensing. Now, microlensing, of course, you can't take photographs of a black hole. Uh, because usually they're way too far away. You can't really take a picture of a planet uh, in another star system. And yet we do have proof that these planets and these black holes exist. And that is thanks to uh, microlensing, which is basically, you've got the Hubble telescope, for instance, that takes pictures of stars. And it photographs the same star system for maybe a year. And all of a sudden, one of those stars will actually get brighter. And then it get, gets back, sometimes months later, to its original uh, 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 candescence. And so what they've discovered, and this is this technique of microlensing, is that if that happens, 
than it is because something is passing in front of that star. And the light, because of gravity, is bending around that object in, that passes in front of the, the, that star. And, and you can do all sorts of calculations to measure the, well, the object and to determine what kind of object was passing in front of that one star. Now, you can imagine that uh, that is a chance encounter. You cannot predict this to happen because normally, you know, those, those objects would be invisible. So you have to be very lucky. And thanks to computer an analysis, of course, of all those photographs that, that Hubble takes, and, and, and I'm sure that with the, the, uh, the, the new telescope, we will get even uh, more spectacular results. But you can do computer analysis, and then you can, you can spot that one star that gets a little bit brighter, and then, okay, let's calculate what's happening there. Sometimes it's, it's just a planet that passes, that, that circles around that star, and it will impact the the actual light of that star and that's how we have found so many exoplanets but this time they have discovered this rogue black hole that passed in front of a star and that is and this is funny how scientists describe this it's so close to us it's only 5,000 light years away i'm thinking wait only 5,000 light years ago which means that the light that we see now took 5,000 years, or the, actually it's not the light itself, because the black hole, of course, doesn't have any light, but the, the effects of that black hole passing, that ripple is reaching us, and it took, it, it took 5,000 years to travel all the way to our planet. Think of what the world looked like 5,000 years ago. <laughs> Jesus hadn't been born. <laughs> so uh, it's just, it's crazy. So that's, supposed to be close by it's nearby 5000 5, light years that's not much and it's it's just always filling me with awe if you consider how big the universe is how far away everything is how long ago everything existed way before this earth was inhabited uh these stars were already there so it's like this the mystery of the, the almost eternal nature of, of the universe. And if you think that, well, the one who created this, if you take that seriously, if you believe that there is a creator, then it's obvious that that, that creator cannot exist in time. He's got to be outside time. He's got to be around time in a certain way. Um, but, but if you see how big the universe is, and you and you deduce that that well, its creator has to be even bigger. Of course, not. I'm not talking about space and time, but it, but it's not that hard to get to the concept of an eternal God, and that a lot of the ways in which we talk about God is actually a very human way, very very limited way. It, there, there's it, for us, it's impossible to grasp the immensity of uh, of of the universe, and by extension, of, of God, who is the creator of the universe, if you believe such thing, of course. It's, it's mind-boggling. That's why I love astronomy so much, is the more you, you, the more you discover, the, the bigger the questions, the greater the awe, the, the more you tend to relativize your own little minor issues, you know. It's an amazing world in which we live, and thank God for science. <laughs> 
We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. There's one more thing I wanted to talk about, and it has to do with, uh, well, actually two things that I want to mention here. One I will expand upon in my other podcast that I record for my patrons, and that is VR technology. Um, and uh, I've been trying out uh, my my quest. I've finally up, uh, managed to up, update my, um, nowadays I should say the Meta Quest, because it's no longer called Oculus by, by Meta, which is former Facebook. Um, but this, this uh, VR uh, headset... Um, now works in conjunction with uh, computers and you could even do it wirelessly. So I tried that out this afternoon and I got so nauseous because my computer is not fast enough to pull it off. And so um, it's very laggy. Um, there's this one game that I want to try out. It's an MMO that you, and actually an MMORPG, you can play it with multiple people. And it in itself as a game, it's kind of run-of-the-mill MMO, definitely not the next World of Warcraft, but it is in VR and I cannot wait to check it out. So I was trying to see if I could play it um, in Steam VR because usually that's a little bit cheaper than if you just buy the Oculus or the the, the Meta version. Um, but it's unplayable. I can't play any game uh, on on my Quest One in conjunction with the computer. So I think I'm going to just get the standalone version. Um, but the Quest One is not the fastest of headsets. So I'm a little bit on the fence. Should I do this? Should I? bite the bullet it's 30 bucks which is a lot i never pay 30 bucks for games but uh but i'm also very curious uh to to experience kind of this is a bit like the metaverse it's what ready player one talks about it's this this you know non-existent world where you can still interact with other people i i I think I need to check it out, but but I can't wait to have more powerful standalone headsets, and that's I think where where Apple comes in if they can truly give us headsets that are powered by the M1 or M2 uh, chips. That I think is something that the 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 industry needs because the the the, the mobile phone chips that are currently. Um, uh, powering these these headsets it's just not good enough it's not immersive enough but in a few years from now i can't wait to see what they will come up with well, we're getting there we're getting there and it's super exciting i wanted to talk about something else in technology that is super exciting and if you've seen the last episode episode six or chapter six of the book of boba fett you'll know what i'm talking about there's this recreated character for which they use um a combination of a, a real actor and then a face replacement using deepfake technology. That's for the visuals. But they also recreated the voice of a familiar actor. And the voice of that actor doesn't sound like that anymore today. So you hear a voice that is similar to the voice that that character had when he was young. And I was fascinated by it. It sounded so real, but apparently... They actually used technology to recreate that voice. This was a completely artificial voice, and it sounds 100% real. The only thing that made me wonder, like, is this an actor? Is this a sound-alike, or 
is this computer technology, was that the delivery was a little bit flat. And, but there is no way that you could tell that it was a computer voice that you were listening to. Apparently, they used um, a technology called re-speecher. And what you do is you feed it with uh, words, phrases, recordings of a person, and then it will start to calculate and it will be able to recreate that voice. That technology has already been available um, to, to, to try out on the internet and it would just ask you to record a few phrases and then it would do a pretty good job, but still very computerized. Uh, but you could, you could emulate your own voice. This is the next level. And what they did is they took a lot of book recordings and, and uh, audio dramas that were recorded by the actor that you see in that uh, particular chapter. Um, and they had like um, a, a non-mixed version of the lines that that actor speaks in previous movies. So where there's no background sounds, no background music. So you had very, very clear audio of that actor that they were able to feed into that respeecher technology. And that is why they were able to make a, like 100% sound alike of the actor. It's mind-boggling. It's so real. And um, the only thing that may indicate why the uh, delivery was a little bit flat is that they also used audiobooks, where usually if you read an audiobook or even an audio drama, you tend to use your voice in a different way than when you're acting and everything's exciting and your voice goes up and down. And, but if you're reading a book, you're just usually try to strike a more calm tone and you read a little bit slower. Now, you can imagine if you feed that into a computer and then tell the computer, talk like that, he will maybe try to emulate that audiobook voice and that type of delivery. So fascinating and I'm, I'm sure this was just their first try so i cannot wait to see what else they can do it's also a little bit scary but man it opens up so many possibilities for storytelling unbelievable and with that i think it is time to wrap things up thank you for uh for listening to my show if you are a patron of course there is a secondary hour where i will go uh in depth on a number of other topics and what am I going to talk about in my other show, you may ask? Well, I'm going to give you my recipe for air fryer fries that you can make yourself. It saves you a lot of, uh, of money. Um, I'll talk about how a little bit of extra sleep can actually, actually help you lose weight. We'll talk about science fiction and fantasy. Um, and I will talk a bit more about VR technology. And I have some, some thoughts. Uh... I also always share every week what I learned on TikTok. <laughs> that is one of my main sources of information, and, uh, and and there's always something fun to share with you. So all that and more coming up in Father Roderick to the Max, the show that I um, distribute to my patrons. And if you want to become one, it's a very low entry. You could just, you know, 250 a month. It's almost nothing, and you get to be part of a wonderful community of friends. Um, that is also quite influential on the work that I do and the stuff that I don't do. <laughs> so check it out, patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all of you that have stuck around on YouTube. 
Really appreciate it if you could give this video a, a like and subscribe to the channel. We'll talk later. May God bless you and may the force be with you.